0: In Dharma practice, we uh, encourage to use this uh, wisdom faculty, which begins to analyze, discern what's what's happening, um, you know, what's going on, uh, recognizing there are a variety of of factors or experiences that happen that keep the show rolling as it were. <laughs> One of the important ones of these is feeling. Vedana, mm. pleasure, pain, or undetermined, mm. not certain yet. The neutral feeling kind of kind of it lingers it can become boring, unpleasant, or it could go to calming. And become pleasant so neutral is a kind of undetermined quality and then there's pleasant that which we agree with feel ourselves um, you know, move forward by and disagreeable which we find ourselves resisting or wanting to get over and these occur on the physical level and on the psychological mental heart level and uh, Sometimes we don't always notice that because, uh on the mental level, because we're used to just basically, you know, avoiding it or bearing with it. So it's not so agreeable, but we all think of something else. <laughs> you know, we can shift in mind. So unpleasant memory, unpleasant uh mind state arises well, do something else and we shift away from it quickly. So we don't really notice it's unpleasant. Or we get used to, this is really boring, but I'll just bear with it and it'll go away eventually. (laughs) Yeah. I don't really like being with her, but I'll be polite anyway. I mean, she's a bit annoying, annoys me a little bit, but I'll bear with it just to be polite and eventually they'll leave. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Some unpleasant feeling, and I suppose any, if you contemplate the mind, you can recognise at any particular time those feelings can be shifting, you know. So what I'm saying might at first be kind of interesting, then it get a little bit boring, but you bear with it, and then it gets interesting again, and it gets boring again, and you feel confused, and you feel inspired, and so the feeling tones shift. But I think if it if it stayed unpleasant for long, you'd basically switch off. <laughs> either literally unplug your screen or go and read a book or something or the other. So, you know, there's fluctuations. But to say it's going to be constantly pleasant is just a fantasy. (laughs) You know, it's shifting, shifting. And generally it's kind of, it's okay. And there's probably something pleasant going to happen in a while. (laughs) Agreeable, interesting, Uh warming, humorous and give us a good rise to an agreeable feeling. That's the way we're wired. And so even, you know, certainly in Sangha life where you wanted to sort of sit with things, you know, basically you're there for your hour, hour and a half through something, some ceremony or something, you've got to be there for two hours. And you go, okay, well here we are, it's first interesting, it's boring, you don't want to be there, and you, sit there, okay, meditate on your breathing, breathe in and out, okay, feel that, develop spaciousness, okay, <laughs> allow it to pass through, <laughs> so you have ways of dealing with disagreeable feeling that you have to be with, and you're not complaining, because you can't expect things to be always pleasant, you know? it's not a, it's not a criticism, it's just the, just the way it is. And I find if I don't cultivate, then i basically just basically numb out. Oh well, just kind of doze off on numb out. So to acknowledge the unpleasant feeling of, a, say, a, a tedious ritual that you're not really interested in, or a dumber talk that you're not really alive with, but not to just numb out, you know, Give it spaciousness, openness, letting it pass through, and maybe acknowledging, oh, this person's doing what they can. It's they're, they're, what they're doing, they're supposed to do. May they be well. You know, it's not for me, but that's fine. You know, they, she's enjoying it. He's so fine. That's I can go with that. So once you are able to accommodate the immediate disagreeable or not so agreeable feeling, then, you know, you come to a stable place and then you can begin to bring up skillful inclinations Intentions, Chitana, may they be well. Somebody else is enjoying it, great. This is for somebody else's welfare, good, that's good, fine. So you can get out of the grip of the the feeling and find a stable place, then you can open up and then you can begin to, from the openness, a wider perspective can rise. You see how it's a feeling? But to think that everything's going to be pleasant, or you're going to like it or or feel guilty that you're not liking it. You know, this is great, you're going to some party or something, some gathering that you've been invited to, and you feel you ought to go because your cousins are there and your, you know, friends are there, so you go, you don't really like it very much. You know, how are you doing? Oh, fine. <laughs> That's okay, yeah, fine, because <laughs> you can't say, <laughs> I find it quite unpleasant, really, I'd sooner be elsewhere, <laughs> okay, yeah, That's uh, I could be with this, in force, actually, so at least if you know yourself, okay, and rather than feel guilty about it, it's just the fact, But that doesn't have to be the determining fact it doesn't mean it has to i have to move around that so if i find a stable place where i can acknowledge feeling is feeling okay so not so not so wonderful so what stop and then open up once you found the stable place the honest place the truthful place So you're not resisting, pushing, you you took it open. And you go, okay, well, it's good that we get together, I guess, because, you know, cousin James and Marley have been having a difficult time and they're getting, making friends with each other. And those two were married and they had a really difficult time. Now at least they are able to be in the same room together. This is good, you know. And uncle Jed doesn't look like he's got long to live anyway, so it's good that he sees us all. <laughs> you can kind of look at it in a kind of a more altruistic way, <laughs> and certainly, you know, this is the way that a lot of sangha functions occur. You don't, especially, you know, this is sane because if we don't do this, there are all kinds of misperceptions and selfishness, and you know. Unresolved issues can be left to fester, so we get together, and, and in that sense of okay, the harmony is important. Yeah, the immediate contact isn't what I want, but the sense of being in harmony with others, yeah, I could put aside the immediate feeling and go to the wider perspective. Okay, I'm in harmony, and uh, and other people enjoying it. Good, that's fine. Skillful. You see how you come to the stable place, first of all. Then your your heart can open. You can only find the stable place by being truthful to yourself. What's happening? Resistance? Rather not? Well, let's go somewhere else. Stop. Okay, that's fine. Everybody gets this, it's nobody's fault. We can't be a source of constant delight to everyone else, (laughs) but we can respect when you fit that place where I'm not asking the other person to be a pleasant experience for me constantly, as long as they're not physically attacking me, that's fine. (laughs) Pause and open, it can be a bit more grand-hearted, heart becomes bigger and more open so there are a few things there in that situation one is the immediate feeling which probably mental feeling emotional feeling arises from a perception what's called a perception an impression it's not that somebody's poking me or tickling me it's just that the the sight of 15 people chatting to each other I just find I just don't really, you know, I like it quite quiet and spacious, actually. The perception, I find the perception of that somewhat jangly. Fifteen people chatting to each other about nothing special, I find that a bit. Why? To the words... Hurt you? Do they dig into you? No. The, sa- the sound, the sound is just being sound. It's somehow the mind being stirred by the perception of diversity and lots of things happening. But it doesn't want lots of things to be happening. It means crowded, it means agitated, it means stirred up. My, my heart takes on that particular quality, it feels stirred and agitated. And that, and I don't want it to be that way. Mm. So there are several things that occur there. The perception touches the heart, the heart is then shaped, right? It's, it's instead of being a cool, grounded, open, spacious state, it becomes a kind of scattered experience, scattered or shaped or pushed its it's qualities change and then of course the memory or the perception of being spacious and open has gone and this i haven't got it it's been taken away from me they've bothered me these people are bothering me (laughs) because it's my mind i don't want it to be affected that way Is it your mind? If it was completely yours, it would be exactly what you want it to be all the time, wouldn't it? It would be, if it really was your mind, you could say, okay, just be completely spacious and open with a lot of crazy things happening. But it's not. It's not your mind. It's that mind is affected by perception and feeling. And the, the irritating cause is this, the person who doesn't want it to be this way. Because whether the mind is moving, why should that be unpleasant? Because I want it to be quiet. When it's quiet, I want it to be moving. When it's slow, I might like it to be fast. When it's a bit sort of stagnant i like it to be more bright and vibrant mm-hmm. and there's things we can do to change that we can bring around causes and conditions which is noticing how dependent the state of chitta is on perception and feeling the feeling comes out of the perception and when the perceptions the impressions touch the chitta. It changes its shape. Mm. You know, when you feel something's attacking you, your chitta becomes hard, sharp, contracted, mm, right? defended chitta. Right? Do you notice that? You're having an argument. When you're having an argument, does your mind feel broad, spacious, and open? No, it feels contracted, hard. Shaking. It has a shape, doesn't it? Did you notice that? And then when it's, say, generous and loving, what's the shape of that? Is it hard and contracted? No, it's sort of soft and open and expansive. Did you notice that? Jitter changes shape. Hmm? And the shape is dependent upon the particular activation. Hmm? So that uh, Disagreeable memories arise. The jitter shakes. It's activated in that way. It shakes and it becomes scattered and unsteady. If it's fed a soothing, steadying, comforting perception, it settles and becomes easeful. Perhaps begins to uh, become more harmonious. And if it's <laughs> If we're cultivating it in meditation it can become very broad and spacious and open, quiet, shapes. Mm. This is why these are called mental formations, Sankara, citta Sankara, mental formations. Mental formations of which the primary formative quality is called intention. That is the impulse that arises to defend myself or to win something or to achieve something or to give something or to release something. And all those intentions, if you run them through your mind carefully, you'll notice they give a different shape. What's the shape of release when you say, I just want to let it be? What's the the shape of I'm going to hold on to this no matter what. What's the shape of, they can't tell me what to do? Resisting. What's the shape, yeah? Notice the different jitter shapes that occur, forms that occur for you. They're not visual shapes, but they're experienced as forming in the heart dimension, which is non-visual, but it's palpable. You can feel it and as you get to feel it you get a sense of oh the one i like best (laughs) is the unconstricted because the energies flow smoothly freely there's no pressure there's no stress the unconstricted jitta when it's not demanding defending grabbing frightened anxious shaky agitated contracted, that's the one I like best Buddha said yes a wise person seeking their own welfare concern for their own welfare will surely cultivate a citta because nothing can do you so much good as a well cultivated citta and nothing nothing can do you so much harm as an unskillful chitta, this will kill you. It will. And people do kill themselves psychologically, physically, because the chitta becomes unbearable. And people can bear with extreme misfortune, sickness, loss if the chitta is well trained, becomes strong. So, in this broad sense of citta and feeling, the English word feeling covers a range of uh, qualities and experiences in the Buddhist analysis. You could say, if you're conscious, you feel. Just means you're sensitive. It means you receive things. Consciousness means your sense organs are switched on. You get contact. Contact only contacts if you get a feeling with it. So if you notice, you look around your space and perhaps the walls you don't really notice, but you notice the vase of flowers. The contact, because that's got a little bit more agreeable quality to it, or you maybe notice the stain on the carpet or the piece that needs fixing, disagreeable feeling. So, where you contact is what strikes you within the field of consciousness. Let me look at the visual field. You know, you know, you're going to find your eyes and your mind will go to that which has got more feeling to it, agreeable or disagreeable. A contact, then, is the impression something creates in your heart. Not just what your eyes see, but what strikes your heart. You see the photograph of your children. Oh. You see the pleasant view You see the crack in the wall. (laughs) You see the uh, things that need fixing. Thank you. Thank you. The contact. So we, we see what we hear and we remember what's contacted. If you've been alive for 50 years, how much do you remember that? Every moment of every day, of course not. You remember the pieces that strike you, yeah. The, f- the moments of deep friendship, mm. the crisis that you move through, the happy days when you were in your early teens or something, mm. or the miserable days when you were in your early teens to how it was. And you get a kind of, you don't remember every second of it, you think, God, I was 14, it was really miserable. There was that, no way to go, no friends, feeling confused about my life. And there's a kind of blanket impression you get. And of course, during that time, you probably had a nice meal, um, you know, saw something good on television. But the overall impression, you don't remember that, you remember the overall impression, what strikes you. So it's never accurate. In an external sense, it's never a literal factual account of what occurred. It's the pieces that now strike you. So the past is being created now. Yeah, the past is being created now, and every time you go there, you shape it a little bit more. Yeah. Maybe the happy experiences get even happier as you dwell upon that pleasant friendship or that whatever it was. The past is being shaped now. Contact happens now. And you remember, and you often get more and more distorted as time passes. And yet, the feelings can be extremely poignant because that's the program That's creating that feeling. Contact. Contact is a program. It's not a fact. You might say light strikes the eye. You could say that's relatively factual. But there's a program that seeks where the feeling is. The meaning. Pleasant unpleasant, there's a program. Seek the feeling. And it seeks the feeling, it shapes the feeling. The flowers on my altar have no pleasure in them. Flowers don't have any feeling like that. And as you note, it's probably something, you know, you bought this thing a year ago, it was really nice. And you put it there, and it was really nice. The next day, it was kind of nice. And after a week, it was okay. And then after a month, you don't even notice it anymore. (laughs) Where did did its feeling go? The contact... Is no longer, you know, forming around that, that impression. So mental feeling is also dependent upon contact. Yeah. And what is contact dependent upon? Desire. Desire for agreeable or the desire to find out where the disagreeable is, so I can fend it off or abolish it, or something like that. So it's very much money around that. This is is not decision, it's just a reflex. It's built into the system. Mm -hmm. So a wise person seeking their own welfare will decide... I think oh, what I'm trying to do, I think I've changed my desire. <laughs> Can I shift my desire to other bases of contact than just objects? Maybe if my desire, shift my desire to contact with what I do, what I'm doing now, then I have some, then I have some agency around that. If what I'm doing now brings me in tune, alignment with an agreeable base of feeling, what I do is more important than what I have. So this is called chanda, motivation, whereas the other kind of desire for objects is called tanha, thirst the desire for what to do right, so that the agreeable feeling of harmony rises, the agreeable feeling of absence of regret. Because when I'm focusing on my actions, I'm not focusing on external objects which come and go and break up. I'm focusing on what the heart itself is bringing forth now. And recognizing also, the beauty of the feeling that comes from those intentions and actions you know, shapes my mind. As I said, intention shapes your mind. Right, the intention to grasp hold of something contracts it. Right, the, the intention to repel something hardens it. The intention to welcome something opens it. The intention to bless something opens it. The intention to be compassionate to it opens it. So someone seeking their welfare will say, I think I'll choose those intentions that cause this rather uh, agreeable shape to arise. I can enjoy that. This way a person fashions their own pleasure independently of the world. Because I can sit here in an empty room and do it. I can sit here in an empty room and generate goodwill, gratitude, contentment, relinquishment. Nobody can take that away from me. And so you really find this sense of uh, qualities that uh, notice for yourself the results. Where do you want to go? Where you'll go depends on your intention. Doesn't it? Your direction, your motivation. And Of course, we can physically wander around the world, or bits of it. But that isn't a guarantee of agreeable qualities, is it? Here you've got something you can monitor pretty closely. The degree of steadying, stabilizing, patience, non aversion the results, how it shapes your mind. So this way, we get some recognition of. and as you're sampling particular intentions based upon what condition it leaves your mind in. And again, you can compare it, say we get the agreeable feeling that comes from say, eating something when you're hungry. Reason enough, isn't it? That's agreeable. If you're hungry, you eat something particularly when you start eating, the feeling of pleasure can be quite strong. Oh, getting rid of that unpainful, uncomfortable feeling is a natural reflexive habit. We wouldn't do it otherwise. <laughs> you know, eating boring. <laughs> Why is it chewing and chomping and gulping and swallowing and, and having to digest things? is a pretty grim business, really. <laughs> you look at it mechanically speaking, but if we do it because it's pleasurable, And it's a very fundamental and universal source of pleasure. Even when we're not hungry, we do it. We would do it, you know, gastronomic delight for pleasure, purely at that alone. So you notice that. Okay, nice to eat something, tasty. There's no moral scorn on that, it's just we wouldn't do it otherwise. And how, where does that go? So if you linger with that, Maybe after a f- half a dozen, ten bites, pleasure is changing. Turn to the end of the meal, it's more or less gone. And then it's what next? Have a cup of coffee, go for a walk, something, have a chat. You've got to move on to the next thing. It's a very short lived feeling of pleasure, it's quite vigorous. Yeah. Sense pleasure is fairly sharp and vigorous, but it's very short lived. And similarly, displeasure you know, you fall over and bruise your knee, bruise yourself, unpleasant feeling that may linger for quite a while an hour, a day, probably two or three days, it's over. How about the argument you had, the the raging row you had, with your neighbour, how long does that stay? Every time you see them you look at that and you think, oh, so and so, you end up kind of just having a standoff, lingers, doesn't it? Ten years later you think, oh, so and so is an idiot, selfish pig. Still there. (laughs) What about the unpleasant feeling that comes when somebody's blamed or attacked you? And you go back to that memory. Yeah, I did the best I could, and he just gave me blame. What a uh, unpleasant feeling again. Yeah. So we look into where the real, um, long-lasting feeling, and it's on the mental-emotional level, right? And if we go into that more fully and more clearly, the really long-lasting ones are not what people did to me, but what I did to them. Those are the ones that stay long time. Because they were my intentions, or the intentions arose from my heart. Somebody else blames and attacks you, yeah, that's that's not agreeable. But you blame and attack others. That's long, much longer lasting. So you begin to think, oh, how do I write? Is that true? Do you still have regrets? Mm. And do you still have blessings? Do you remember your blessings, the good deeds you do? Because as I've said before, it's the painful stuff that really lingers like the thorn in your thumb. So someone seeking their welfare, understanding the source of their welfare, is I will not do actions or try to avoid actions, intentions that will leave me stuck with pain and a disagreeable shaky heart that can't stand up, doesn't feel dignified, doesn't feel clean, doesn't feel secure. Just make me feel pathetic and stupid and nasty. The shape. They value the shape of the heart because this is your treasure. This is your legacy. This is what you live with. This is what you die with. Yeah. But a lot of contemplative pleasures and so forth, and they don't have this sharp surging quality to them they're more like a gentle shaping because the gentler steadier shaping lasts longer than the flash hit which just burns through the and the chit is shaken up and then it, it goes on to something else the slow long lasting stuff begins not to just burn through something but saturate and shape the heart just like, you know, you run a, a flame over a carrot or something, you just scorch the skin. But if you put it in warm water and boil it gently for an hour, the warmth saturates and changes the textures of the vegetable or the meat. Similarly, sense pleasure is just like running a blowtorch across your heart. <laughs> we kind of like it. It certainly picks you up when it's dull <laughs> when your heart is really kind of dull or broken up it certainly ooh, shapes you up but then of course it just burns through and then have another one that's what we have to do <laughs> so this you know because it hasn't actually saturated and and what it changed the heart and the quality <laughs> the fact, again just the sheer fact of it well okay i'll tell you my experience being an ordinary human being someone addicted to sense pleasures someone who enjoys sense pleasures someone who wants to get their own way and get all that going over time over time in practice the sense pleasures don't actually mean very much they just uh pass through and right uh, they just it's not they just don't seem to have that much effect because the chitta is is sort of big and expanded, so it doesn't get that relief from a, when it's contracted and depressed. And you put some sense pleasure, and it does kind of kick it open until it falls. But then again, as you know, you, if I don't know, I don't want to talk about your life. But what I knew was, yeah, I could kick it open, get a sense pleasure. But then after it's gone, it just collapsed again. You have to have another one. <laughs> Uh, so I think it's, it's something that gently doesn't seem very pleasant at all in that acute way because your chitta is a bit insensitive but as you sensitize and you begin to experience qualities like the joy of giving this is not that difficult We all we all can experience that I'm sure this is pretty accessible and in the joy of Moderating, so you don't say things you regret, and you do things skillfully, skill conscious living, conscious responsible living. There's a certain pleasure in that. Life as a craft, how to get it right, how to bring harmony to a group of people or to a friendship. Working on it. Oh yeah, you 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 mean we get that, don't we? Well, that does. And so this is a trajectory the Buddha's recommended. He says now also the next kind of agreeable thing is just to, to declutter. <laughs> and I think we you get that, don't you? You know things are just so cluttered and tangled up and too much. Then just give you some space, unclutter. Called renunciation. It sounds very heavy when you call it renunciation, but you call it uncluttering decluttering, you think, oh yeah, that's like, yeah, that is nice, fresh space, open, nothing to, not so much stuff to deal with, yeah, I want more of that. And this is just what happens, and particularly as you do mind cultivation, because when the chitta starts to open, it knows, it knows what's happening, and it wants more of it, and that's a skillful desire, and as it, it wants, well, I want that space, I want that nice, open, steady state, well, get rid of that, give up that, don't bother with that. That's going to just be more confusion. Let's live more simply. Let's live harmlessly. Let's not have any regrets. Even if somebody attacks me, blames me, I don't want to get into bad speech. you know. And this is the way the jitters gets its intelligence going. Uh, <laughs> and it sensitizes you, waking that up. And it wakes up beyond that kind of level of input. Well this is cultivation, so that we really start to enjoy just warming to the wealth of other people. You can actually <laughs> enjoy breathing in and out. <laughs> Although sometimes it seems like a work project, but the idea is, oh, well, you know, just, you just don't have to do very much, the body's gonna do it for you. Just sit back and enjoy that sense of being breathed. Yeah. There's a nice flow of energy through you know when your heart acquires a certain degree of sensitivity, that becomes pretty nice, pretty agreeable. And you turn into that. And the Buddha is saying, well, you can take it even further. At a certain point, when the mind has finally shed its, its, its kind of accumulations of dullness and fatigue and irritability and stress, it begins to have experience called rapture, which lifts, It feels refreshed. Feels zingy, zestful. That's agreeable. Enjoy that, linger in that, and your mind feels easeful, linger in that, deepen into that. This we call jhana. And saturate your entire body with that pleasure. Your entire, so you're working with saturating your nervous system, so you're resetting what your reflexes are. By resetting your nervous system, you begin to reset your reflexes. The prickly, the jittery, the agitated, the can't get soothed. Mm-hmm. So, this is the kind of feeling that comes from skillful cultivation. <laughs> you know, recollecting. Uh, relationship to feeling is, yeah, feeling is fine, but the most important thing is the shape of the mind. Now we step back. How is this? Spacious, open, awareness spread out, learning available attentive, not hankering, not resisting, mm-hmm. and you begin to reset how your world feels and how you feel about yourself. When there's no blaming and hankering, criticizing, and comparing, and fear and agitation and regret. And what occurs is your self-image disappears there's no self image and the Buddha said this is the highest happiness when you've shed that one